Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Alarmy. Before we dive into this episode... We want to make sure that you've heard the big news. The Alarmist has joined Patreon. We'll still be putting out two episodes a week wherever you get your podcasts, so don't panic. Patreon subscribers will get access to our content ad-free, as well as be able to listen to our discussion and final verdict in our aftermath episodes. We'll also be putting out additional bonus content and other fun stuff. So come join us at patreon.com slash the alarmist. We'll also include a link to the Patreon in our show description. So join us on Patreon. We're excited to have you come on board. And now on to our episode. I was born with a special gift, the ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing, and that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today, we're discussing the death of Judy Garland. Here's what you need to know. Over the rainbow, way up high. There's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby. On June 22, 1969, Judy Garland's husband of three months, Mickey Deans, broke down the locked bathroom door in their London home and found the Hollywood icon slumped over the toilet with her hands still holding her head up. At age 47, Judy Garland was dead. Garland had been struggling with addiction since an early age and had finally succumbed to its pull. Very different from the hopeful and vibrant women she portrayed on screen, behind the scenes, Judy Garland had a dark history of depression, alcoholism, and pill addiction. The third daughter of vaudeville actors Frank and Ethel Gum, Frances Ethel Gum, later known as Judy Garland, was born on June 10, 1922, in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. 
the Gums ran a local theater, and Judy began performing with her sisters at the age of three. But a few years later, following accusations that her father had improper relationships with young men, the family moved to California, and Momager Ethel made it her top priority to see that the Gum sisters, particularly Judy, made it in Hollywood. Garland's mother first gave her pills at the age of 10. They were meant to help keep her energy up on stage and later to help her fall asleep. Her dependence on these pills only increased after Garland signed with MGM in 1935. In 1939, at 16 years old, Garland starred in what would become her most famous international film role as Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. She later spoke about the long hours she was expected to work as a child and how MGM founder Louis B. Mayer required his talent to take amphetamines in order to keep up with a rigorous shooting schedule. On top of the hectic workload, she was routinely coached by studio executives about her weight and made to feel unattractive with constant comparisons to other popular actresses of the time, like Elizabeth Taylor and Ava Gardner. Mayer was said to have referred to Garland as, quote, my little hunchback. At the age of 19, Garland married composer David Rose in an effort to break away from her mother's firm grip. Her second husband, director Vincente Minnelli, also proved to be a bad fit. After the birth of her daughter, Liza Minnelli, on March 12, 1946, Garland developed postpartum depression. It was around this time that her career began to suffer. Her self-medicating became so severe that she was removed from MGM Films and after 15 years with the studio, lost her contract in 1950. Soon after, Garland attempted to take her life by slashing her wrist. Following multiple nervous breakdowns, she was admitted to two different clinics over the course of several months. Her marriage to Minnelli ended in 1951. Garland's impassioned performance in A Star is Born was one of her best works, but the production was mired in turmoil. The film was not the hit that Garland had hoped for, and she later tried to make a variety of comeback personal appearances in an effort to reestablish her career. Garland broke all-time records at the Palace Theatre box office in New York in 1951, 1956, and 1957 and her rendition of Over the Rainbow at Carnegie Hall on April 23, 1961, though much more melancholy than the original song, later became known as one of the best live recordings ever made. Why then, oh why can't I? These comeback performances would mark the last 15 years of her life. By 1963, her voice was showing cracks. Her performances became inconsistent, and she would appear to be nervously fighting for control before launching into her usual power ballads. When she wasn't able to pull herself together, her intermissions would last upwards of 90 minutes, and she was even booed off stage. Her personal life was also suffering. Garland's third marriage to director Sidney Luft was falling apart. In 1965, after a very public legal custody battle over their children, their divorce was finalized. By the late 60s, Judy Garland owed hundreds of thousands in back taxes to the IRS and was performing in bars for $100 a night. She had a reputation for showing up late to film sets and sometimes not showing up at all. After failing to adhere to the shooting schedule for Valley of the Dolls and refusing to come out of her dressing room, Garland was fired. Susan Hayward was later brought on to replace Garland in the role of Helen Lawson. Her lifelong battle with diet pills, uppers and downers, and addiction to alcohol had caused her voice to significantly deteriorate. Garland's last performance was in Copenhagen in March of 1969. She was found dead three months later, just 12 days after her 47th birthday. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats. 
Judy Garland received her first and only Academy Award for her performance in The Wizard of Oz for outstanding performance by a screen juvenile. Judy was married five times and is survived by three children. During her life, she starred in over 35 films. Her third husband, Sid Luft, alleged that she tried to take her life on at least 20 different occasions. She is the first woman to win the Grammy for Album of the Year for her live 1961 recording of Judy at Carnegie Hall. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest today is Amber J. Lawson. Hi, Amber J. Hello. Amber J <laughs> is the co-founder of Comedy Gives Back, which is a nonprofit started by three female titans of the comedy industry, and it supports the health and well-being of all types of comics. And she's also she also helps women over 40 navigate change with her Ignite Change podcast. You have a lot of things to tell our listeners about, Amber J. Please, please tell us. <laughs> I am uniquely uh, qualified to speak on this as a former gay icon myself, yes. as a woman who has not gone through the change, but is going through the change currently <laughs> and uh, and a fan and participant in comedy. Uh, it is ours to support uh, laughter in raising the mm -hmm. vibration of the planet it raises the vibration of our being and our well-being. And so we support comedians through Comedy Gives Back as the safety net of the comedy community with financial crisis relief, mental mm -hmm. health and chemical dependency treatment and community support, all of which our friend Miss Judy could have used. Mm -hmm. I, I also support women in changes in their life, whether that's relationships, career our bodies, the <laughs> laws, could I go on, um, so that we all live a joyful, happy, connected life. And that's what we're here to do. Amber yes. J, can I just say, I don't think there's anything former about the icon of you. I think you're oh. still, still, you sound pretty iconic. No former. Former. <laughs> just going to throw that out there. Go on. Go <laughs> on. <laughs> oh, and I was a Bette Midler impersonator. So mm. there's that. Oh, you almost Stop. spit out your coffee. There's that. So there's that. <laughs> Let me just set that right there. Yes, perfect. <laughs> Like quintessentially perfect for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it doesn't the universe work in the beautiful ways? Yes, we uh, we we're happy to have you here, Amber J. And we'd like to start off the show by asking our guests, "What is something that's recently alarming you? What's something that's keeping you up at night?" What alarms me is to think that politicians can control women's bodies. That mm. is the end of the story. Yeah. Not your body, mm. not your jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. That's all I have to say. Right? Yes. 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 Is alarming. this Handmaid's Tale? Yeah. And all we can control is ourselves. Yeah. We can't boil the ocean. Choose the thing that you are passionate about and go all in with that. And mm -hmm. that because you can't. You can't fix everything. Although, what, um, who is it? Cory Booker. Ah, Cory Booker. <laughs> I was not expecting you to say yeah. like, Cory Booker. I, I know. Okay. I was expecting you. We were like, Corey the Booker Dalai Lama said. said. <laughs> no, Cory Booker. Booker. Or Dolly say? Parton. But yeah. <laughs> I actually, I, I did. Oh, I'd love a Dolly Parton <laughs> quote right about now. <laughs> um, but Cory Booker, and I'm sure it's attributed to somebody else, but he said the fault I'm so not quoting this correctly, but the sorry, biggest we got your fault back. Well, the biggest is, fault. is complacency, mm. right? Is to do nothing. Yes. If there is something you see that is out of alignment, the biggest falling of uh, society is to do nothing. So do nothing, say nothing. So we have it. it if yes. not me, who? If not now, right. when? This yeah. is it is attributed to Benjamin E. Mays, and it goes: the tragedy of life is not found in mm. failure, but complacency. Mm. 
not in That's you why we doing have a fact too checker. much, but doing too little. Not in you living above your means, but below your capacity. It's Ooh. not failure, but aiming too low. Yikes. That is life's greatest tragedy. Wow. See, on a podcast where we study history's greatest tragedies, there is some kind of amazing symmetry for you to yeah. pull that quote. <laughs> we just need that quote like up on our office or something. I love that. True. If you're not doing anything, then it's on you. Rebecca, I do yes. feel like Ember J gave you like a pretty. I know. Like, I was waiting for it. Transition. I know. Yeah. I was waiting so for it. Take it, and, baby. Okay. <laughs> so, you know what's also alarming? Is how people <laughs> <laughs> is how people thought that they could control Judy as a person and her yes, body and her body yaddy. Yes, exactly. Uh, I have been in a Judy. I don't know what what do you call it cocoon era. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> the past few days and. Mm. It's beautiful and it's tragic and mm -hmm. it's hard to. You can see how people get wrapped up in it, can't you? Yes. She's so relatable. I can see how people have for years, like, continued to make her an icon mm -hmm. and she's so flawed and. Oh God, you like she was so used and taken mm. advantage of. And so at the same time, just like truly magnetic and like yes. talented, just like she had, there's like a grace, there's a comfort, there's like a, like you, I don't know, like as an artist, you watch them like that and you're like, wow, like that's someone who like really has a calling mm -hmm. and was able to share her gift. And she was, like you said, there was terrible things done to her and she was taken advantage of and had to like restart and have come back scalore so many times, but like true, just like through and through seemed just like a deep old soul with like wisdom to be shared with the world. Amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Grit. Grit's the word that really comes to me. Mm. You know, yeah. she, she just, she tried to clamor her way back so many times yeah. <laughs> and had everything going against her. And I think we'd call that today uh, bipolar. Mm. We, well, and yeah. uh, not diagnosed at the time. Right. Yeah. I, and, and if you look back at a lot of successful, talented people, they tend to have some sort of mental illness yeah. Yeah. that was undiagnosed that gave them the permission to express themselves so fully beyond what us normal, normal air quote, normal, yeah. you yeah. know, like societally acceptable humans do that, that she could be free in the expression of herself. Right. And our pain is our most times our greatest impetus, same in comedy, right? Sad clowns right. tend to give us the truth with a spoonful of sugar, give us our emotions. She channeled so much emotion through her that we could access it ourselves. Yeah. Yes. Through her. And and what a coming out for someone with that stuff going on. I, I mean, like the iconic Wizard of Oz at such a young age. I mean, I know she was doing stuff before that, but that was like the breakout thing, right? Yeah. Everyone knows her for that. I mean, it's just like any that movie, you know, like its place in history, the just was so like epic. And for that yes. to be like your big like debut, like you're that follows you forever. You're that girl. Mm -hmm. yes. Freaking Dorothy. You like mm -hmm. a few things? Dorothy. <laughs> yeah, Dorothy. Do you realize <laughs> Dorothy, darling? Dorothy. <laughs> um and so that, yes, go on. Have you ever been the star of a movie? Can you imagine no. at 19 carrying the weight of an entire studio yes. on mm. your shoulders? Yeah. And I'm sure we'll get into child labor laws at some point in yes. this discussion. But how uh, children, you see it time and time again, play out this same story. You see Aaron Carter or uh, Alanis Morissette mm -hmm. had her own awakening. Thank goodness it didn't end in tragedy. But a lot of times when the child is put on as the adult, mm -hmm. as the breadwinner yeah. and the 
the confusion and how you are the provider yet you're a kid you're a kid you're a kid yeah. you can't process all of the, the, the this industry in particular is very grown up <laughs> it is and you can't and and it's brutal and it's heartbreaking and it there's so like exactly amber jade like there's so much pressure that gets put on you i, I can't imagine having to deal with that as a child right well, it's already it was- hard it, it, as an adult to process yeah, and I think it was uh, Elizabeth Taylor. I was watching a documentary about her and she was doing nude scenes at like 12 and 14. Something yeah. like, of course, your sexuality is put forth and you don't know what your sexuality is. So then right. it, it like, of course, she was married 106 times. Yeah, <laughs> It's so confusing. It's so confusing. Can you um, imagine, like she was 16 in Wizard of Oz? Like, do you, you know, yes. like it's hard for me to talk to a 16 year old now as a 40 year old man because I'm like, I don't know what to say to you. Who, like, you're a child. I'm like, you what know, did always you know, know what to say to me. Like, can you imagine? Like, that's the, no. like, we're Think trying about to imagine that, yeah. being 16 again. I can't even, I don't even, like, what was I doing when I was 16? Not starring in an epic like, film. <laughs> An iconic well, film. Yeah. You could barely drive a car. And kids today, like I would be terrified to be in a car with a 16-year-old oh today. Oh, yeah. No one 16-year-olds should not be at the helm. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure there's a great 16-year-old who could probably lead this country or something. Judy, I would <laughs> I would get in Judy's car. I would trust Judy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would get Actually, in Judy's yeah. car. Exactly. I think I would rather drive. 16-year-old Judy, yes. I feel like yeah. it was a little yeah. less down the road for her at that point, but yeah, she ages. There's drive. so much to put up on the board. Let's start with childhood trauma. It's a good, yeah. good, good start. Childhood um, trauma. So this is from the, the both of these things are from Refinery Twenty Nine and an article in Collider. Her home life was tumultuous. Her father Frank had affairs with young men. In 1926, the Gums left town to escape scandal. They headed to California. Gums' mother Ethel quickly tried to shape her daughters into stars. Ethel, a controlling stage mom, was the first person to put ten-year-old Judy on diet pills. Ethel then would stop at nothing to achieve fame for her daughters. Many of the locations the girls performed at were extremely inappropriate for young children. Mm. Uh, Ethel would often push her children to the limits and the performances seemed never ending. Garland recalled during a 1967 interview with Barbara Walters, quote, she would sort of stand in the wings when I was a little girl. And if I didn't feel good, if I was sick to my tummy, she'd say, you get out and sing or I'll wrap you around the bedpost and break you off short. So I'd go out and sing. Mm -hmm. Garland was harassed by some of the Hollywood's, some of Hollywood's most powerful men. According to Gerald Clark, Garland's biographer. She she was frequently approached for sex as a teenager. Louis B. Mayer, who was the head of MGM uh, and has also been compared to Harvey Weinstein, is said to have groped Garland in his office. While she was singing, he placed her hand on her breast. Mayer also called her the little hunchback for her height. Later, the death of her father, Frank Gum, took a heavy toll on young Judy Garland's heart. As the pair had a strong relationship, Garland was 12. She was only 12 when her father died. She worked through her anguish and she continued on, on the track to stardom. The New York Times claims that she wrote, The terrible thing about it was that I couldn't cry at my father's funeral. I'd never been to a funeral. I was ashamed because I couldn't cry. So I feigned it. But I just couldn't cry for eight days. And then I locked myself in a bathroom and cried for 14 hours. Mm. I mean, there, that's a lot Bad. for a, a, a child, especially mm-hmm. like during your formative years here, mm-hmm. you know, as a, you're becoming a teenager. There's, a, there's another story I heard that her father had gone into the, he had gotten sick and he went into the, I think he had a bad uh, earache. And they said to him he had some sort of meningitis, which is which was fatal at the mm. time. And Judy had to one of her first professional gigs at the at the exact moment when that happened. She was going to sing on a radio show, mm-hmm. and 
they told her about her father right before she went on the radio show. And they said to her, he has a radio next to his bed. So just sing to him. And mm. that was and that was probably the last time he heard her voice. He died wow. shortly after. So that mm. kind of yeah. tragedy also mixed in with the work because it was one of his greatest it was his greatest pride and joy that she was such a success and mm -hmm. she was so talented. Mm -hmm. That'll mess you up, I think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's work that, that's there. So maybe two two things to put up on the board: work, uh, uh, you know, child labor, <laughs> sure. and then and then also um, uh, pressure from her parents. Yeah, parental or pressure or like stage mom or dad stage mentality, mom mentality. Yeah. Well, living out their fantasy, living out there, I mean, how many right. of us have our parents wanted us to be doctors or lawyers, yes, or yes. right? And they wanted her to be a star at any cost. Mm -hmm. I'm lucky my parents did not expect much out of me, actually. They're very <laughs> pleasantly surprised that I'm sort of settled into just some kind of... Mm -hmm. uh, well, know. remember that quote now. Oh, right. That's uh -oh. true. That's the greatest tragedy is complacency. Oh, shit. I should really. Oh, no. You know, I'm that's something to like throw that. on the board, too. I mean, it's a little bit of a stretch, but I do think there's some tragedy about the fact that her father was just this closeted gay man. And because of societal pressures, like they had to oh. flee the scandal yeah. of that and, you know, become successful in Hollywood to like counterbalance his, you know, despicable homosexuality. So I'm just going to put that up there. Yeah. Homophobia. Homophobia. I'd like to put. Classic. homophobia a hundred percent okay still today uh i would like to add mental health undiagnosed yes. mental, mental yes. health yeah yeah and drugs oh of yeah course. we're gonna get to all of these okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> don't worry <laughs> did i jump the shark did i jump the shark no. i mean there's Everything no jumping okay. the char shark. shark yeah you're good i gotta uh, get in there you're, I gotta you're too you're too good of a guest is the problem um, let's let's talk about childhood stardom because we, it was mentioned this is from her uh la times 1969 obituary. Judy was a child who never had a childhood, said Ray Bolger, a co-star in, in Oz. Uh, she was a child who never get, grew up. She made 12 films as a teenager and was under psych psychiatric treatment by the time she was 18. By the time she was 23, she had three nervous breakdowns. When she was 28, she slashed her throat in a suicide try. She never had a chance to become a normal child or a normal adult. Uh, he recalled, she always had someone f hovering over her. There should be a time in your life when you can go home at night and forget about show business. But Judy Garland never got to that point. Hmm. How we put people on a pedestal and we create expectations. Mm. We create false. Uh... False gods. Thank you. False idols. Yeah. Yeah. F false idols. <laughs> yes. And then those who have to live up to it or or think they need to. Right. Yeah. And she was expectation uh, is the overworked. She was uh, may, perhaps the Hollywood machine. We could put it up. Sure. I call it patriarchy. Well, yeah, <laughs> there's always room for patriarchy on the board. Oh, yeah. I think somebody else uh, commented th about that. On yes. Instagram. Patriarchy. Sean Conway. Yes. Our, uh, old, former guest. Yes. Former guest was was uh, uh, spoke right up and said patriarchy and capitalism. Oh, Clayton. I mean, come that's on. my favorite word. <laughs> when in uh, doubt. This is from the New York Times. She wrote about the experience years later. No wonder I was strange. Imagine whipping out of bed, dashing over to the doctor's office, lying down on a torn leather couch, telling my troubles to an old man who couldn't hear, who answered with an accent I couldn't understand, and then dashing to Metro to make a movie to make movie love to Mickey Rooney. It was during this period that she also began taking stimulants and depressants. They'd give us pep pills, she wrote. Then they'd take us to the studio hospital and knock us cold with sleeping pills. After four hours, they'd wake us up, give us the pep pills again. That's the way we worked. That's the way we got thin. That's the way we got mixed up. And that's the way we lost contact. Huh. Lost it's contact. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm, what are, I'm, I wonder what the, those pills are. Amphetamines? Just a, or, yeah. sorry. So, uh, <laughs> Benzies? Yeah, they, uh, Benzies. Yeah. yeah, that's what they call them, right? Mm -hmm. 
The Valley of the Dolls, baby. Mm-hmm. Uppers and, and she was going to be Louise Lawson, right? That was the last movie that she got fired from. Fired from. Famously. Yeah. Sad. That was a sad, um, just, it's all so sad. <laughs> You know, this makes me think a little bit of our, the concept that we've revisited a couple of times of like, must the show go on? You know what I mean? Like the the show must go on mentality rather, Mm -hmm. where it's like, if you are having to pump people full of pills to, to wake and sleep them just to get a performance out of them on a set, then you need to rethink your set. Like that's not a sustainable, you know, people, you can't just like churn through them. Like, we're, we're not what the word is, but. Yeah, we're not. This is this is not a factory. Yeah, of, hell, of yeah, we're not factory. We're delicate. Humans are so delicate. We, you know, we like we need a lot of pampering. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that now, but yes, then yeah. it was a factory, mm-hmm. and you were hired as a factory worker to churn out entertainment. Yeah, that the patriarchal man decided was the story that mm-hmm. we're going to tell out to the masses to Mm -hmm. believe and that skinny is how you're supposed to look. Right. And we're living in shoulds when she's merely a puppet of herself being pumped full of pills. This is a hilarious episode. How am I doing so far? (laughs) I think I like what you just said, living in shoulds. I love that Mm. phrase. I'm going to put that on the board because I feel like she was definitely a victim of, there was a lot of people outside of Julia Garland that thought this is how she should look or should be living mm-hmm. or existing. And like, she didn't seem to have a lot to say in that. Yeah. This let, let's pre, put untreated addiction up on the board mm-hmm. while, while we're at it, because this is connected. Mm-hmm. This is from town and country. It took drugs to get her back to a level place where you could have a conversation with her, where you could get her to sign checks, sign contracts, talk about business. Garland's manager, Stevie Phillips, told Inside Edition of the Star's later years. In biography, uh, they wrote, in his 1972 autobiography, Weep No More, My Lady, Deans wrote that he first met Garland in 1966 when he delivered a package of stimulant pills to her. They dated on and off after that before Deans Deans proposed and, and they wed on March 16, 1969. This was her last husband. Deans, 12 years Garland's junior was a musician and former disco manager at the time of their marriage. Garland told reporters, finally, I'm in, I'm loved in her book, me and my shadows living with the legacy of Judy Garland. Daughter Lorna writes that her mother married Dean's um, when she married him. She was in the final stages of prescription drug addiction and was dying in front of his eyes. Hmm. Walter describes Dean's as the dreadful man who became her husband. I mean, if she put an advert in a newspaper for the most unsuitable person to take care of her, she wouldn't have had a better response. I don't know what possessed. Well, I know what possessed her because he gave her gave into her and he fed her all the things that she wanted. She married a drug dealer. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. Eventually. But that, you know, and she equated that to love. Oh, and it's ugh, so Mm -hmm. sad. Mm hmm. Yeah, the, the drugs are. Yeah, so how how do we how do we sort of put this up on the board? The drugs, um, the addiction, because it you know do you say where it started? Do you say it was the constant pressure, the body image issues, like mm-hmm. that they sort of mm-hmm. they well, wanted there's definitely or, you know, a cycle the diet to pills it. and all that. Yeah, and there's there also the a- self medicating <clears throat> of you know right because of the mental health. So um, how do we parse rehab. that out? And would come yeah. back for like a comeback and then they would start talking about her weight again and then she would right. spiral and start wanting to take the pills again. Like it's almost like the lack of untreated addiction. Yes. But like the, the lack of like effective, you know, back sure. then our relationship to drug abuse was less rehabilitative and, and more like punitive, you know, like I think it's mm-hmm. different when you're a star, there's like. And you're a celebrity, even back in the day, I think you had more options than just like the general public. But I can't imagine how effective I mean, that she was. She was given drugs at, since she was 10. Yeah. Yeah. Just think about 
and and it's not even that she's taking them. She's her mother is giving them to her. They're, mm-hmm. She's being told that she has to take them in order to work, in order to sign. You know, with MGM. Of it's. She had a brief moment where she went to um, rehab, right? And she got essentially clean. She I think like right before the, then... there was like the story of um before she was in Summerstock, she had been rehabbed for like several months, and then she came to film Summerstock, which was trying to like it was the last movie that she filmed with MGM before her contract was canceled, mm-hmm. and it was with Gene Kelly, and she was so self conscious about the mm. way the way that you read about it is so crazy because it's like she was in rehab and she came out and she was doing this movie with Gene Kelly, and she was so self conscious because she'd put on like fifteen or twenty pounds. And they make it sound like she's this morbidly obese woman who gained 15 pounds and now she can't. And then I think she was actually really effect, affected by it. And so then the production process was really long because she it was like really hard for her to film. And then they're at the end, like several months after production, they needed to film like a, they realized they didn't have like a big show stopping finale with the star. So they filmed the iconic get happy with Judy Garland, but it was several months after. And by then she'd been going to a hypnotist to lose the 15 wow. or 20 pounds. And they talk about how it had this kind of like ethereal quality where like, because she looked thinner wow. in this finale, cause it was filmed months later that she looked like love had like, it was like whimsical because she looked thinner. Like the love had like whisked her away. Like the messaging of that. Yeah. Terrible. And hadn't she started back on the pills because that's what was going to yeah. get her thin? Well, it, that's all she knows. Yeah. Right. And and clearly rehab at that time wasn't filling her back with love. Right. The only consistency in her life, the only love she had in her life was the pills and pills right. kept her loved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So sad. Yeah, it's a combination of the the mental health overlapping with the you know unhealthy relationship right. with these drugs. You know, right? Yeah. I was going to say um, inadequate uh, drug addiction treatment or inadequate treatment sure. uh, seems to be. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I would say medical uh, heresy, like uh, absolutely uh, not keeping the Hippocratic oath. <laughs> Uh, who are these people prescribing right. drugs to a 10 year old or the mother? Yeah. Child abuse, the studio system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. No, I a hundred percent. Um, that, 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 uh, that, that's a good point. We, we should maybe cla- like maybe distinguish between the Hollywood machine and, um, medical uh, malpractice. What, what is called medical malpractice, malpractice yeah. or abuse. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Because she was definitely looking, searching for help. I also she, feel like she, I don't know, like, I wonder how much this is speculative, like her relationship to her fans and like feeling loved and accepted by the, by the public, you know, and like the kind of, mm. the ebb and flow of like being well and doing well. And then like kind of, uh, re, what's the, di- not the not digression, um, relapsing you know Mm -hmm. and coming back again and being Mm -hmm. like there's i think a good example of this i guess is that um when she was nominated for a star is born which is like four years later post um summer stock and this was like a big comeback moment for her too Mm -hmm. and she was nominated for an academy award and like and lost to uh grace kelly Mm -hmm. in the country girl and i think there's a lot of to be said, I think she wasn't at the Academy Award because she was having her last child. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of written about how that like really kind of broke her heart. Like she never recovered from losing to that because it was truly like an iconic performance. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know, it's like one of those like sliding door moments where it's like, I wonder how things might have been different had she gotten that recognition that she clearly was craving at that time in her life, which I'm sure was very volatile. But the drugs mm-hmm. are always going to be a factor. There's something there, Clayton. It's it's like when life makes you feel like an underdog or something. Mm. Because she was underdog is so u- a good word. The 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 thing that she was most used to was staging these comebacks. So it felt like she could never be on top. And I wonder. I, I obviously she never had proper you know therapy. I, I wish she had. But I wonder what they would say to her now where it's like uh, you know 
there, there's something about that chaos, the, the and the having to pick yourself back up, and 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 where if you get used to it, it feels like that's how you live your life. Mm. You know, it, it's just a pattern yeah. that you it's can a- get stuck in. Yeah, that's all she had. Yeah, yeah. This was this was her gift and her curse, mm. and. That you can see that in repeating itself when the stage is your home, mm-hmm. one place where you are safe and always looking or seeking to get back there, mm. get back yeah. into it. And I, I also believe that she gave her audience the permission to be a mess, to not mm. be okay. And to know that you you will come back, you can come back around to that. That was a gift to the audience. That's mm-hmm. what so many people related to her. But it was also detrimental to her, her very own mental health. Right. She. Yeah. You knew. Yeah. You knew you kind of like, OK, Judy Garland, she's amazing. She, but boy, she's a liability. You know, Yeah. <laughs> What this are we is, getting tonight? She's yeah. like, it's been a 90 minute intermission. Like, where's the rest of the show, Judy? You know, like this is a, another excerpt from her obituary that came out in the L.A. Times between the high points. She suffered abysmal slumps. She was sued repeatedly for backing out of performances, was fired for contractual failures and was booed off stage when she forgot the, the lines in her songs in London in January, an audience, an audience hurled bread rolls and glasses at her after Mm. she kept them waiting for an hour. Sometimes I feel like I'm living in a blizzard, she once said, an absolute blizzard. But throughout her crisis-ridden career, she refused to quit fighting. She was Hollywood's queen of the comebacks. When her career and usually her personal life hit rock bottom, she would stage a spectacular comeback and again hit the big time. Judy has been coming back since she was invented, a London critic once wrote. She doesn't give a concert. She conducts a seance. Mm. She evokes pity and sorrow like no other superstar. Let's put on a show, kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also want to put up just in that vein, um, like labor exploitation, workers' rights. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, yes. because yeah. because really, I mean, there, there was nothing in place to protect these performers. She yeah. was working long days, six hour. Uh, um, six six days a week or whatever, maybe yeah. even seven. I don't know. She would they, they would make her work like seventy two hours straight, something. Yeah. And they would have it under contract. I'm sure they would exploit her at a point in her career where she would sign anything, and and they had her under contract for all these things. It became a real problem for her in terms of her being able to support herself, right? Yeah. So yep. she 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 had to go and make more money to chase down these expenses yeah. and this. Etc. So I, I think, you know, um, workers protections, I guess. Yes. I would, yeah. I would say. She she had no protection from uh, her money being taken when she was a child, when she was a young child by her parents. Right. So I guess nowadays there's something like if you're a, a kid working in Hollywood, I believe it's 15 percent of whatever you make has to go in a bank account. This is before taxes, this is before manager fees, so that that money is there for you when you turn, I I don't know, 18 or 21. I'm not sure. But back then there was none of that. Right. So all of her money was just just disappeared. Mm -hmm. So going to managers and parents and and parents and, and who knows. And mm-hmm. So, so that by the time she's eighteen, um, she has none of the nothing. Has nothing. She's starting over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's already made Wizard of Oz. She's already, you know, starting to get really well paid. Yeah, and it's crazy to think someone who's like had that career and started that way, like in her last days, was literally doing like shows at clubs for like you know small stipends a night mm-hmm. just to like get by like that's, yeah. that's such a sad um conclusion it just doesn't uh-huh. seem right i read something where it, the only uh i want to say i T- toto was the only one who made less than judy <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible in the wizard that's of oz horrible oh, I, I, it's possible that's... that some of the munchkins also made less than her but that was it 
Right. Because she was under contract. Right. At the time. And I want to say she made $500 a week or something. Which and at then- the time was, you know, I don't know the math, you know, I don't know the exchange, but not clearly less than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, Hence why we have unions and the writers are on strike. Yes, yeah. right, exactly. Right? That's where I was going with that yeah. was exactly that. And we continue to fight for, um, you know, fair wages and also um, protections. From the studios who clearly will take advantage of in any way their workers can. in any way they can. Profits mm-hmm. over people. The factory. So that's capitalism as well. Capitalism. Here we go. We're knocking them out. So, All the biggies. I mean, we have, we're running out of time and we do have a hefty board, but is there anything that we're missing here? Lack of autonomy to me seems oh, yeah. to be. She then was she a marries prisoner she was out a prison. in the wild. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and then there's there's something really tragic. I always thought about the fact that that she then marries Vincent Minnelli, who shot her, who directed um, Meet Me in St. Louis, mm-hmm. who made her look so beautiful and turned out to be another closeted gay man. Aww. Like she just couldn't get away from the freaking drama. <laughs> she wanted a protector or something. Yeah. She oh. She wanted to be loved and taken care of, and she deserved it. And Mm -hmm. at every turn was blocked from true love and being loved. Well, with that, we're going to take a quick break and then start knocking things off the board. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Who's to blame for the death of Judy Garland? Is it childhood trauma, child labor, Stage mom slash dad mentality, homophobia, untreated mental illness, drug abuse, childhood stardom, Hollywood machine, 
capitalism, patriarchy, living in shoulds, untreated addiction, inadequate treatment options, medical malpractice slash abuse, underdog mentality, labor exploitation, or victim blaming. Good board. Really what good a board. board. <laughs> and oh I'll tell you, God. <laughs> there's not one single person on this board. Oh, True. I guess we could have put the MGM uh, mayor. mayor. Louis B. Mayor. Louis B. Mayor. Let's throw board. him up there. How do we spell Louis? And we could put, well, we do have mom and mom, dad. dad. We were really quick to blame systems over people here. Despite having, you know, evidence of people doing terrible things, right? Mm -hmm. But we, you know, I don't know. That was interesting. Well, they are people in the system, which is fueling the patriarchy. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. No, it's and totally, capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally. Mm -hmm. uh, it's bigger than understandable. That. Judy's not up on the board. Exactly. We're not going to blame Judy. No. No. <laughs> no. God, can you imagine? No. Aw. So what do we start folding into each other? Well, I okay. think there's a lot of the mental illness, mental health yeah. pills, yeah, cover up, uh, and childhood trauma, uh, studio system, no laws that kind of all conflate into each other. Right. Right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I feel like inadequate treatment options folds into uh, medical malpractice. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to say that. Mm -hmm. Gosh, um, there's some there's something about a, a lot of these that I think can be rolled into patriarchy just because the Hollywood system putting out um, these these movies uh the hollywood being run by men and these movies being so um i mean the the messages you know right, the unrealistic body expectations re like, yeah and reinforcing yeah. these expectations like you have to acknowledge that in some significant way i think as being um very patriarchal yes do we have the studio system up here we have Hollywood machine. Hollywood machine. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So then, okay. I, I mean, I, I, I'm with I don't know. Percent on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then, Ch do we put drug abuse? Like, do we fold drug abuse into that? Like, into the Hollywood mm -hmm. machine? Like her specific uh, drug abuse, I guess. Yes, because anyway, we have untreated addiction up on the board. We mm -hmm. also have. Uh, well, I'm I, I'm wondering if childhood stardom. We can take that off. I feel like that's part of the machine. Yeah. They'll make a buck wherever they can. If it's a kid, great. And it's also like labor explo exploitation, you know, where workers mm -hmm. protection was the Here. the bigger problem. Yeah. Yeah. Should I keep that on the board for now? Yes. Or, and child okay. labor laws can fold into that. Okay. All right. We're knocking stuff off here. Uh, childhood trauma could probably fold into the parents. Mm -hmm. Yes. Started with mom, dad. Mm -hmm. Living see. in shoulds. I love that. Mm -hmm. That just kind of speaks to like a more like a broader like societal. Yeah. Problem. Is well, that patriarchy? It's, it, yeah, it's the patriarchy right. telling us what we should, how we mm -hmm. should live our lives, how we should look, right. how we should have relationships. How. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that folds into the patriarchy. But thank you for adding that to our repertoire, Amber J. Yeah. <laughs> you just don't want to shit all over yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> Underdog mentality. I feel like that folds into the untreated mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. That's her story loop. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. And victim blaming is part of the machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's part I of agree. patriarchy. It's part of capitalism. Yep. Okay. I think you can take homophobia out too. I don't think. Oh, that's well, yes. Call, I mean, it could be part of the patriarchy or exactly. part of the machine, but I don't think it's directly the cause of Garland's death. Okay. So we still have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we, have, uh, <laughs> we have mom and dad. 
Uh, we have Untreated Mental Illness. We have Louis B. Mayer. We have The Hollywood Machine. I mean, do, do we fold Louis B. Mayer into The Hollywood yeah, Machine? I was thinking that. He I mean, was he, particularly bad to her. And to a lot of people. And to a lot of people, yeah. Let's but, leave him on for now. Okay. We've also got capitalism, patriarchy, untreated addiction, medical malpractice uh, and abuse, mm-hmm. oh, which actually can fold into the untreated addiction, I feel. Sure. Yeah. Labor, exploitation, workers' protection. Yes. Hmm. I think that can fold. Like the labor exploitation seems like it can fold into the Hollywood machine as well. Okay. I had that feeling too. I mean, I like it. it it's it, it's important mm-hmm. the, because with the if there Without had been a that. union, if there had been protections, perhaps her her story would be very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Addiction would have been taken potentially off the table if they could have supported her mental illness. Mm-hmm. And her mental th- illness may not have re- sorry reared its its full bloomness right. had she had sleep and mm. reasonable mm-hmm. hours, reasonable yeah. work schedule. Yes. To that point, I was just going to say, I feel like I don't want to leave untreated mental illness. I don't want to blame mental illness in any capacity for mm-hmm. him because it seemed like there's already, already such a stigma, stigma around like, you know, mental health as it is. And it seems like she was just, it was exacerbated by all of the mm-hmm. poor treatment that she was subjected to. It wasn't the mental illness that... Yeah, blew it up. It it right. it, it put shined a, a big bright light on mm-hmm. it and and made it grow. Right. Yes. And I actually want to say that we should keep labor exploitation on the board and okay. fold the Hollywood machine into it mm. because without this ability to exploit these kids and these workers, the machine doesn't work. Doesn't work like it did. Okay. Wow. Okay. What so a flip. It's a big flip. <laughs> I'm shocked. Wow. Okay. We still have a lot. <laughs> okay. Fine. We have to take a uh, mayor off the board. Yeah. We don't have to, but it's. I, I also feel like um, stage mom, dad mentality kind of falls into that like exploitation. Right. Right. Well, well they labor exploitation. They exploited yeah. her at a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it seemed like her mother in particular was, you know, on the side of mayor in a lot of those conversations trying mm-hmm. to k- keep her on a track of well, she, constant, she was used, constant work. She was used as a spy. So the studio would tell her mother to mm. make sure she didn't eat. She could only oh, uh, have horrific. Oh, yeah. Horrible. So then mom, who is like supposed to be like your comfort, your like rest is actually just working you even more. Oh, I believe that so... the, 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 she was only allowed to eat um, soup, ch- some chicken soup and uh, pieces of lettuce. That was the only, and then her mom would report her if she ate anything else. To the studio so it's like she was they, they were developing her eating disorders too like yeah jesus christ well and then your brain can't function right if good you point. don't have nutrition good point mm-hmm. ever been hangry Tr- times <laughs> yes. a million yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> times a day <laughs> um okay we've got four left which i'm i'm surprised we've been able to to get to four so quickly good good job Good job, team. <laughs> Good job, everyone. Uh, capitalism, patriarchy, untreated addiction, and labor exploitation. I, oof, this, this is, is tough. It's so tough because she was actually the victim of so many things. Yeah. I know. This whole thing just makes me sad. It's like really, really hard to pin this one down on any single thing. Uh, just because, God, man, if you're your own family, you can't even trust your own your own mom. It's like what? What is there? Jeez, it's just tough. We didn't. We, you know, lack of love, lack of compassion. We don't have up on the board, and yeah, that was her, what yeah. she strived for was love. Was it the pursuit of love? Mm-hmm. Of, of feeling loved. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that says to me that she wasn't finding it. Right. Right. I she like that. All the places. 
but it, but it puts a little bit uh, too much of the blame i think on her right and the, yeah. and it, even if it's just her mm. pursuit i know it's just a sort of word thing that that it's right. like semantics of it so is there a way I to certainly don't want to blame her <laughs> no no i, I, I I'm, um, for me, it's the people around her and it goes back to capitalism and the factory of it all, mm. you know, separate uh, profits over people. It's I mean, it's we do see this time and time again, like mm-hmm. young stars who grow up to have a lot of um, difficulties mm-hmm. because they were subjected to like that machine mentality at such a young age. I mean, well, the, the machine though tells you you're loved right right and it is manufactured yikes and it is only for a moment and then that light dims right and then you're stuck with you and you don't know how to deal with you so what do you go back to wow do we need to have the machine back in here again i feel like that word (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it's not it doesn't seem like the hollywood machine i think you're right because the labor exploitation could have stopped the Hollywood machine. Yeah. I do think the machine, the Hollywood machine. It just says it. Better. Uh, it yeah. does kind of say it better. Yeah. Okay. I so, agree. so then what about this? And it incorporates this idea of like love. Like right. Yeah. Saying. Finding love in the machine. It's like right. matrixy. <laughs> 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 what if we blame the Hollywood machine and slap lack of labor, uh, you know, uh, slap labor exploitation? Mm. Hmm. Oh, would, but I want to slap patriarchy. I know. Right? I feel like that's kind of repetitive. <laughs> okay. Okay. I feel yeah. Like it's repetitive. You're right. You're right. Okay. I, I like that. I feel good about that. Slapping patriarchy and blaming the, the machine. Although it would be a good time to slap labor exploitation. Maybe we give it the backhand because of the current writer's strike mm, and the fight. That's yep. a good reminder. And, and, okay. and the SAG the SAG strike potentially Potential SAG at strike. the end of the month. Yeah. Or- okay. Hashtag, be, let's get into the narrative here. Let's get into it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to call it. Patriarchy, you're getting the big slap. Watch out, labor exploitation. Here comes the backhand. The Hollywood machine. You're going to the alarmist jail. Capitalism's that feels... off the hook. Wow. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> sneaky. So sneaky. <laughs> yeah, this feels good and bad. <laughs> That's how we want to end every episode. Good and bad. Well, the good news is, is that we have some laws and we're continuing to work them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right? It's true. Yeah. And to have a just system and that Hollywood is actually a business. Mm-hmm. We we want to be a part of it and, and it's all stardom and, you know, we moved from Raytown, Missouri to be part of it. Hello. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And once you're in it, you realize it's actually a business and you're a cog in the wheel mm. and the cogs get get paid not used and yes. she was unfortunately yeah. a beacon and the first of many to go through it to change yeah. right the yeah. system and i think on, on the on the brighter side just for us personally like luckily she existed in the age of like the silver screen and a lot of her iconic like artistry is forever captured and we can you know the, retake the narrative and watch her for like the brilliantly talented wonderful person that she was hmm. that's nice Amen. amber J, thank you so much for joining us today thank you this is so fun <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate you all we we had a t- tough job and we couldn't have done it without you hmm. i receive <laughs> <laughs> In the aftermath, after her body was found, Scotland Yard was called and an autopsy was performed. The coroner that arrived at the scene ruled her death was accidental due to a self-administered overdose of barbiturates. At the time, the pills she used were a common sleep aid and were the very same she had taken since childhood. The report also showed that she had cirrhosis of the liver due to her routine drinking. More than 22,000 people mourned at her funeral in New York City on June 27, 1969. 
the streets of Manhattan became absolutely jam-packed with her fans. Her body has since been moved from New York to the Judy Garland Pavilion at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Nearly every song she recorded has been re-released since her death. Her 1961 album recording at Carnegie Hall has never gone out of print, and in 2003 was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant and was placed on the National Recording Registry. The Wizard of Oz went on to be the most seen movie in history, and Garland continues to be an American entertainment icon. The Alarmist is now on Patreon. Subscribe and get ad-free content along with bonus episodes. Go to patreon.com slash the alarmist or check out the link in our show description. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And follow us on Instagram, at The Alarmist Podcast, and on Twitter, at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early, with editing by Molly Hockey, and fact-checking by Chris Smith. Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Crystal Dinsberg. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the affair of Charles and Camilla. The Alarmist. Powered by ACAST.